a lot of maintenance companies function be, uh, based on set standard pricing because they know they're going to have a guy out there eight hours a day, no matter what. Yeah. And they're going to have to have someone dispatch, uh, you know, take in the call, assign it to the uh, individual who will send you, who will go out and do the work. They generally have to have multiple trucks out there. Their insurance structure is very different as well. So there's a, a larger fixed cost for insurance. And then they have to have warehousing to keep materials or, or whatever it may be because a lot of maintenance stuff is within 24 hours or 48 hours. So the urgency is much higher. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me here on the podcast. I appreciate it. And today's going to be a good one. I have a guy on that I think is going to offer some great insight, especially for you landlords and property managers out there. So stay tuned for that. If you are new to the show, I appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. If you get a lot out of this and you think it's a great show and it's something you're going to continue to come back to and listen to, I would really love a rating and review. Go and do that if you can. If you've been here for a while, you've been listening, you're a loyal listener, thank you for coming back and thank you for making me a part of your week. I really appreciate it. Like I said, we have a good one today. I've got a guy on who's a property manager. Uh, He has rentals himself. He knows this industry and he's going to share some awesome stuff with us. Uh, He is owner of Side by Side MRO, a maintenance and preservation and construction company, co-owner of Terravestra Property Management Company. Uh, He's a landlord himself, owning 25 of his own units in South Jersey. And uh, listen, guys, get ready to talk about about some of the lesser uh, spoken about, dirtier aspects of of rental real estate. And uh, we're going to really get into it. He gives us some gold bombs. At the end, he drops something just amazing about evictions and what he's doing as a company to help help mitigate some of that and, and lessen the impact if it's happening for you. So definitely want to stay to the end for that. So without any further ado, I give you Mike Bonadies. I said that right and I was really stressing out about it. Mike Bonadies. All right, here we go. Hey Mike, thank you for doing this. I appreciate you agreeing to be on the show. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it. I listened to your show a bunch of times in the past, and I'm happy that I get to finally be on it. <laughs> awesome. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, as a landlord myself, and a lot of my listeners have rental properties, and and there's going to be some things we're going to address that I think will really scratch an itch that people have. So um, I'm excited to dive into it. Before we do, though, let's dive back into you a little bit. Let's go backward in time before all of your success and fame. And let's talk about how you got into real estate to begin with. And then maybe take us up to the point where you decided property management was something that you wanted to be involved in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was like many other people who get involved with real estate. I was working a corporate gig. Um, I was working for DeWalt Power Tools. So I had a little bit more of a construction background. I was actually brokering deals between Depot and DeWalt, so that kind of showed me how to make a deal, but also under, understand construction. Yep. And um, I'll never forget, the, the, the way I got introduced to landlording was somebody came up to me, they heard me, a good friend of mine down down the cubes uh, said, you know, Mike, you're always wheeling and dealing on the phone. Have you ever thought of doing landlording? And I was like, yo, isn't that what like grease balls and suits do? You know, like, you know, some real estate <laughs> agent thing. And they're like, no, nah, man, it's just like what you're doing, but you can make more money for yourself. So I looked into it. 
And uh, a couple of years later, I, I, I bought a duplex and it exploded from there. Yeah, I, I started off house hacking my first property, um, bought more properties. I think I got up to like 20 uh, before um, uh, people started coming to me about property management questions. We had, uh, me and my partner, Drew Side, he had 60 rentals. And so between the two of us, we had 80. Uh, people were like, yo, can you start doing this for me? Can you start doing that for me? And then we're like, why don't we just create our own property management company? So that's how we, I got into property management. And then, you know, the, the other quick tidbit after that is uh, we needed so much maintenance for property management and Drew, my partner, was already in construction and I knew a few things about it. Then we started our own property maintenance company thereafter. <laughs> um, Drew already had some, was doing some construction. So it, was, it wasn't like as brand new as yeah. property management company was. Like we already just ported what he had and turned it into something bigger. Yeah. But you know, it, it's, it's like, just like they say in a lot of the real estate books, it's exponential when you get yeah. one going, you know, you totally. just explode. I, I like to ask, cause it's always interesting for folks. When you got into buying rentals, like you said, you thought it was for grease balls and suits, but and then you got up to 20. How, how did you finance those? Where did that money come from? Like, what was the process there? So I was making pretty good money in corporate. Um, so I, I wasn't probably what you would call like that no money down investor. I okay. took my own change for my first couple of deals and just, you know, invested into it. But what I will say that will reaffirm that story is once you, once people start to see success, they want to lend on you yeah. uh, because they see that you're making money and they want to chunk the action, right? Yeah. It's a very standard story. Yep. So uh, once we started doing a, a couple successes, people came to us and they said, hey, why don't you start, uh, uh, can I invest some money into you? We have a backlog of people that want to invest in us and uh, not, you know, we're not doing enough deals to, to process it, yeah. but it, it's one of those things that um, uh, once you uh, build your brand and build, uh, show success, people will absolutely start yeah, totally. And I think that's a good message for folks out there who think there's no money, nobody will lend, I'll never be able to do real estate because there is. You just, you, sometimes you have to show it first. You have to prove yourself a little bit. I had the same experience when I started investing. Honestly, I hadn't even gotten out of my first deal yet, but I just started blabbing to everybody what I was doing. And pretty soon I had people coming and saying, hey, I want to get involved. I want to fund your next deal, right? And then I had the same problem you had early on was I had not, I had too much money waiting to, to come to my aid and I had not enough deals to service them. So uh, it's a good lesson. The money's out there. It was out there 10 years ago. It's out there today. It'll be out there in five years. It's There's always more than enough money to fund your deals, you just have to show a little bit of initiative and, and prove to people you're not just all talk. Absolutely. I also think there's um, uh, uh, some bonus kudos for people that take on some really rough deals. Like I know that's how I built my brand is like we didn't take on the standard, you know, post-1984 construction. We took on all pre-1920 stuff. And when people see you take on properties that are collapsing, it's like, whoa, this person really knows what they're doing or something like that, you know? Yeah, totally. I agree. All right, so let's talk about this then. You started your own property management company. And I'll be honest, I've heard people who said, hey, I have a bunch of properties and some friends of mine and we started a property management company and then they, next thing you know, a couple of years later, they close the doors. It's like, there's no money in this. Like, it's total nightmare. And honestly, I think property management is a nightmare for a lot of landlords, whether they're doing their own, they hired someone. It's like, you know, my experience in property management is I have a good property manager. Um, and I've gone through a couple of them, but I will say, even with the one I'm using, who's who's great. If you're listening right now, because I think he's a listener, I, I love your I love your your company. You're great. But if I had a criticism, 
it's that the maintenance is sometimes I know as a, as a house flipper for many years that what I'm being quoted to snake the drains or replace a window or something is like way higher than it should be, right? But as a, as a landlord and with other businesses and maybe if you work in 95 and you have a property management company watching your rentals and they tell you it's gonna be you know, $600 to replace a standard window. It's like, I know that's too much, but I just don't have time to deal with it. Like just do it and get it out of my hair. And, and I've been guilty of that too. Um, but I tell you what, that is to me, the maintenance is the silent killer. It, it just is. It's not necessarily the roof or like the big stuff. Everyone expects at some point you got to replace a roof and, and roofing companies are pretty ubiquitous, ubiquitous. But I think that maintenance thing is what can kill you. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's really tough. And I think this comes down to a, yeah, a fundamental understanding of how maintenance companies work and where they're very different than contractors um, uh, and how they make money and what their cost structure is, is very different than contractors. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna try to break this down a little bit because I it. think this is important for all landlords, especially if you're new and trying to get into the game yeah. uh, to understand. Yeah. So when you're getting a quote from a contract, let's say you're a flipper or whatever, maybe you're just doing a general rehab. Yeah. It's it's one project, it's a larger project, they're doing multiple things at the same time. There's different elements that can be processed at the same time. Usually the property is vacant. It, there's a, economies of scale at the job site, right? You can do just a, a, a whole a bunch of different things at once and that's driving the cost down, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, for each individual line item. Usually the cost structure or how contractors generally make their money is it's material and labor uh, and then a markup for the general, you know, for the management of it. And yep. that's how they're making their money. They don't need to necessarily have overhead of a warehouse or have the overhead of multiple trucks out in the field, different air, go to different areas. They yeah. need to have a dispatcher. Uh, any of that, unless you get to these really large scale contractors, which in that case, you're playing a different ball game anyway. So I think it's beside the point. Yep. Maintenance companies don't function that way. A lot of maintenance companies function be, uh, based on set standard pricing because they know they're going to have a guy out there eight hours a day, no matter what. Yep. And they're going to have to have someone dispatch, you know, take in the call. Uh, uh, assign it to the uh, individual who will send you, who will go out and do the work. They generally have to have multiple trucks out there. Their insurance structure is very different as well. So there's a, a larger fixed cost uh, for insurance. And then they have to have warehousing to keep materials or, or whatever it may be, because a lot of maintenance stuff is within 24 hours or 48 hours. So the urgency is much yeah. higher. Yeah. Plus there's coordination with tenants. Um, so even your most basic maintenance call, uh, call, let's say putting a door sweep on a door, right? Like basic stuff, yeah. uh, putting a lock on a window, uh, that, that may cost in New Jersey. I'm from South Jersey. So, you know, something like that might run $45 and you're like, Whoa, the cost of material is like $2 and it takes you know five minutes to do it. Well, you're paying as the landlord for the guy to go out there, come back, you know, he's losing an hour, no matter what usually yeah, yeah. Uh, for the drive times. So that drives the prices up higher, plus the overhead of a maintenance company is so much higher. Uh, and if, especially if you have the maintenance company deal with talking to the tenants and deal with the coordination, which is, I feel like pretty common practice, you're also absorbing that headache. It, it, understand from a, a landlord, uh, from a new landlord's perspective, 
you're not just paying for um, them to take that one piece of material and then ins- and, and install it and that, yeah. that timing specifically on the job site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's many more elements at, uh, at play there. The other thing I think that's worth mentioning too is like the additional insurance maintenance companies have to hold. Um, usually they have to hold dishonesty bonds in case somebody, you know, a tenant claims this has happened to us. A tenant will claim, oh, your, your employee stole something from us. That may not be true, but I have a dishonesty bond to get me out of that problem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my auto insurance is way higher than a contractor's uh, auto insurance because my drive time hours are way higher. So I think that drives pricing up and yeah. maintenance is no different than contractors and subcontractors are right now in terms of the labor markets. Yeah. There's not enough people doing physical labor and therefore, the rates of a normal maintenance tech are getting higher. And when those go up, prices to customers go up. So there's a whole bunch of different aspects. Now, if you get a good maintenance company, they'll absorb all your headaches. And yeah, you might pay a slight premium to it, but if they're dealing with 100% of the headaches, you know, and your property management company, and you just collect the bill at the end of the month, as long as you bought a good enough deal, it won't, it won't yeah. make too much of a difference. But if you bought that thin margin deal, like you said, it, it could be your silent killer. Yep. So tell me this, who is employing the property maintenance, the maintenance company? Is it the property manager or the individual investor? Uh, it's different with each um, uh, portfolio. I think each property manager, I'll tell you from our perspective, uh, we have a very uh, specific uh, clientele, but it might be different for everybody else. We tell our clientele, look, these are the contractors that we know that or the maintenance companies that we know that can deal with tenants that know how to take before and afters they know how to log things properly in case you run into legal issues so it's these people who we are using they are the trusted ones and now we do take suggestions on subs and everything but other property maintenance or management companies may do this quoting back and forth thing where they say look we'll go get three quotes um, or we'll go get a quote and we'll send it to you if you approve it, et cetera. Yeah. I think you as an investor need to understand what kind of or management you want there when regards to maintenance, because both have their pros and cons. You know, with the one where the main, the management company has the authority to make the repairs, everything gets done quickly. Everything gets dealt with so there's no legal problems. Now you might end up spending 20 bucks here more or $50 here more. So you might end up bleeding in a few dollars here, but overall, the, the machine of the investment work is, is much more well-lubed. Yeah. If you go to this new quoting back and forth thing where, you know, at my maintenance company services, not just my property management company, but other property management companies as well, our competitors. Yeah. And they do do some of that quoting stuff. But one thing I've noticed is when there's back and forth, A, the, the property, especially if something, if something semi-urgent, it go, the property gets into disarray. There's yeah. more complications that yeah. come along because you're going, you know, you're thinking, okay, let's get another quote, et cetera. You know, the problem may evolve from there. Right. Uh, the second is contractors aren't dumb. Like they, they catch on to when they're getting told to do multiple quotes over and over. And let me tell you, a lot of times those quotes get baked into the price after the, after the first, you know, right. half dozen of quotes and no awarded business. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, ultimately I think it might be, unless you have, if you have a very high end commercial property, it probably makes sense to have uh, or high end property might make sense to have certain quotes, but under, you got to understand what's your, what's your, what's your trust level that you're going to have your property manager, sure. because that's ultimately going to judge how you want to divvy up the maintenance. 
who takes the call from the tenant for the maintenance issue? Is it the maintenance company? Is it the property management company? Who who do you who takes it in your world? In, in my world, it's the property management company, and I feel like that's the norm for most property management companies okay. because you have to filter yeah. what's real and what's not. Right. I think a good property management company just doesn't keel over to every request from a tenant. Now, Amen. at the same time. <laughs> You have to be, re, you know, there, there needs to be a level of reality with the owners. Like I have the trust of my owners. I tell them, this is a problem. And then they say, okay, it's a problem, right? You know, you right. need to have, you need to see it from both sides. What's the right thing to do from the property's perspective. That's why I think it's very important. No matter uh, who your property manager is, you, you get a property manager who's also a landlord. I, I, I see there's a lot of people where I see, oh, I'll be a property manager first and then I'll be a landlord. And I, yeah. You, you just don't have the right gut feeling. You don't have enough. Uh, it's not your own dollars at risk. Like I look at every property like this was my property. What would I do? And, and I think that's very important. So from our perspective, to answer your original question, I was, you got the property management companies needs to take it so that they can filter what's real and what's not real and then address everything that's not property maintenance because, oh my God, so many people put maintenance requests in that aren't actually yeah, maintenance Yeah, it's so true. And I like what you said about the property management company having some some experience being a landlord. I actually, at one of my stops in terms of like property management companies that I was trying to utilize was this like whiz bang company from out of state. They were tech kids and they started a property management this company and they were going to disrupt the industry and they're they're global and all, all this stuff and it was all web-based and man i mean they had slick interface they had a good website um but their customer service was horrendous and but but i could live with that but worse was they had not a clue on earth what anything should cost and the stuff and and the, and the contractors could smell that a mile away because they were like 20 something kids, which nothing wrong with 20 something, but they had never owned properties in my opinion, from what I could see. And I think these contractors were talking to him going, oh, these guys don't have a clue. Like they're gonna get retail all day long, right? And uh, and the stuff they were quoting me was out of this world, the cost. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You gotta be, you cannot be serious. And it was like VAs, their customer service was VAs from the Philippines. And it was just like all this crazy stuff and nobody had a clue about the actual nuts and bolts of the industry, not a clue. So obviously that didn't last very long. Um, and then the, the place I'm with now, the guy's a landlord, he has tons of doors and he knows what he's doing. But still, when you start scaling up a property management company, that guy cannot underwrite every single maintenance call. So he's trusting a team of people who may or may not have had rentals himself. And every once in a while, I get a cost that comes through and they do the quoting thing. But every once in a while, actually, they don't do the quoting thing, but I think they have a certain dollar amount that if it goes above like 500 bucks, then they don't just automatically do it. They, they reach out, right? So they'll reach out. And sometimes it's like, that doesn't sound right. Like I'm going to have my guy quote it because I, I do flip. So I have a little bit of an advantage, but I'm going to have my guy quote it. And a lot of times it I can get it cheaper. But the fact of the matter is you're right. It, it helps and it's probably super critical that the property management company that you are working with, the people who are involved, who own and run that company, know what it means to be a landlord. Otherwise, they're, they're just not gonna have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. It, you, there's so much to unpack in what you just said there. I mean, one of the first things I wanna tackle with pricing is to get a property management company that has transparent pricing on maintenance requests. When, when you're onboarding with us, we send out a, this is our standard pricing for everything. Not everything's underneath that, but here's like your standard window install price, your standard door install price, your standard, you know, uh, rekey price, all that stuff. You know, and we just say up front, here's our prices. And if you don't like these prices, like 
we're probably not the management company for you. You know, that, yeah. that's one of the things I'll unpack there. The second thing is you hit the nail in the head when it comes to there's a lot of property management companies or property managers that will, they, they say systems are everything, which is true. Systems are very, very important, but boots on the ground are incredibly important. And understanding the industry is equally as important as systems. So one of the things that we do, and we, and I'm, I think it's important because these guys have been doing it longer than, you know, my company, anybody's property management company, but the FSMs or what you would call full service managers, they're the guys that work on uh, foreclosures for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. I, I was the acronym as well, but the ones that um, uh, the ones that take over for bank foreclosures, people like Cypress, people like Brookstone, uh, Miles Preservation. We learned from them because they do national foreclosures. They have thousands of properties that they are dealing with. Yep. Um, and how do they operate? And we learn from them. So, uh, you know, I'll tell you, my, my maintenance coordinator uh, for my maintenance side, uh, she comes from that industry. She was doing FSM work uh, before she was doing property management work. And um, they, they, they do some quotes and they're like, yeah, this doesn't sound right, et cetera. And they know how to, uh, uh, they understand what is involved with uh, uh, certain repairs. So I think it's important that you get people in a property management company that have uh, industry experience and do understand yeah. the basic elements of construction. I don't think there's a single person in, um, that I would hire that doesn't understand, I mean, unless it's an entry level position and I can teach them, that doesn't understand the basics of, of um, you know, hey, what's involved with a snake or what's involved with, uh, you know, miscellaneous repair items so that they can, they can, uh, you know, they can smell BS from yeah, a mile away. Totally. Now, do you guys, as a, as a maintenance company, the maintenance uh, company arm that you that you run uh, specifically I guess when you're dealing with other property management companies do you have like a, like a retainer fee or like hey this is just like a basic fee to like have us on retainer have us on call or is it just case by case everything is case by case that's a great thing for scaling that I haven't quite personally figured out yet but we're not like Johnson controls where there is that retainer or like you would call it H I think a lot of times it's using the HVAC industry the most but like the HVAC retainer fee or service contract. It's called the, uh, service, like a service contract. Yeah. We don't do that. We just have specific clients that, that we work, that we put at the top of the packing order. And then, you know, if other work comes in, that, that'll, that'll go in there. Yeah. Um, but they know our prices up front. So a lot of times we try to get in the same level with clients where there's not even that quoting back and forth because that'll kill your time. Uh, and kill waste everybody's time. Yeah. Like they just know they to trust us with stuff. And that's the level we want to be at. Okay. I think there is Makes a sense. caveat here for scalability though. I'm a South Jersey based company. I don't have any desires to cross the bridge into Philadelphia or PA. Mm -hmm. I just only want to be in South Jersey because I think the market's big enough here. Yeah. This works with regional based companies. As soon as you start getting uh, like uh, multi-state uh, in level, you do see those systems come into play and, yeah. and like this like, like you said, those slick interfaces that do everything. But at the same time, you're going to give up the local knowledge yeah. uh, as you as you scale up. I, I find it very hard for both to to go up at the same time. I don't think anyone's cracked that yet. Yeah, uh, based on what I've seen. And 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 really that retainer question. I guess the best way, honestly, I think the way you're doing it's probably better because. Yeah, you don't have that retainer fee where it's like this income that you can just count on, but you also, you're right, the back and forth quoting and the waste of time is probably worth way more than any like nominal, minimal retainer fee. Because you, you, how much are you really gonna charge somebody just to have you avail? Like, they can call somebody else, right? So yeah, I, I get it, that makes sense. And, and having that level of trust, because I would imagine, you know, going out on 
five or 10 appointments a day where you're quoting something and not getting it or, or they're saying no or whatever, going with somebody else, that's going to cost you way more in the, in the long run. So I think it's smart. No, it's a good idea, actually. So if somebody is listening right now and they're like, okay, I don't have a property management company. It's just me. And I've got you know five rentals, 10 rentals, whatever. How do I go about finding folks who, who I can use as a maintenance company? Because honestly, here I'm in Michigan. I may be naive because I've always used property management, but I didn't even ever heard of like just a pure maintenance company, somebody who just can do maintenance. I, I assumed people just drug contractors in there to do whatever specific thing they have to do. Um, but how could people go about figuring out who they could reach out to and who they can count on? I mean, the first thing you want to ask yourself is like, how do you expect people to manage your units? And I think that's going to be a real driver. I mean, I'll, I'll use the, I'll answer that using property management and you know parlay that into property maintenance understanding like how, how much freedom are you going to give, how much control and how much freedom or how much independence do you want your property manager to have? Uh, and what do you expect from them? Or do you really want no headaches or do you just want someone to deal with the BS that you don't want to deal with? Yeah. Uh, finding, and then finding a property manager that fits, I wouldn't even say fits your style because I don't think it's when you have a property management company say, Oh, how do you want us to manage your properties? You're setting yourself up for disaster. Um, I think it's, you fit into their management style and you're like, wow, I really like that product that they're delivering. Yeah. I'm going to get into that. Um, it is not a, we're going to make it work for your style because you got to think you might have 10 doors. Well, you know, property management only really works when you get into a hundred door plus range. Uh, and even then it's rocky at a hundred doors. Yeah. Um, so they're going to have a style for doing, uh, uh, and their, their, uh, their property management. So finding a property management product that you like, and then going with that. Um, and, and cause you're not going to get someone to probably melt your way. If you do want someone to do it exactly your way, hire admins and then do your own. That that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Now the maintenance question, how do you find a solely maintenance company? Uh, I would start looking at property preservation companies first, property preservations, companies are with uh, usually in the foreclosure market, like I was saying, servicing those FSMs or full service management companies. Um, a lot of times property preservation companies do have some kind of maintenance capabilities. Um, they're very regional. You do not find uh, national maintenance companies. So uh, I would say start there. Uh, the only time that that's not true is with commercial, like strip malls and whatnot. Uh, Johnson Controls. Uh, I know Great Plumbers is a bigger one. There's a couple like larger ones. Yeah. Um, uh, York has a division uh, of, of, of like property maintenance. You, you can find national property maintenance contracts there. Okay. Um, but you, you know, the, with small residentials, uh, that's usually not the case. It's, it's some offshoot of preservation. Um, or, or, you know, that's where I would start and talk to them. The other thing that's worth mentioning is getting a, a either contractor maintenance company or property manager that understands your property asset class, not just only from a tenant demographic, but also building. Yeah. For instance, in South Jersey, almost all the buildings are pre 1920 or pre 1950. You need to have knowledge on pre 1950 construction in order to work on pre 1950 construction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's different. Yeah. Very different. The houses are built like jigsaw puzzles. So <laughs> um, understanding that, uh, and and had, making sure they had the knowledge to do that kind of work um, is 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 very important. Because uh, if you are a property uh, a landlord that only had 
I don't know, 1990 ranchers. Um, yeah, those are easy to work on. The, the other companies could probably do it, but you want yeah. someone who specializes in your asset class. Sure. Yeah, that um, makes sense. There's just so many differences. You brought up something too just now, like from a property management standpoint, and I, I think you mean from an owner standpoint, having a hundred or less doors can be a little dicey. It's not. It's not the ideal. It's not the sweet spot. But let me ask you this. This is a little bit off off subject, a little bit, but it made me think of it. If I am a uh, landlord, and let's just say I have ten properties, right? I'm not. It's not zero, but it's certainly not fifty. Okay, and I'm looking for a property management company. Is there a number of properties that I would want to make sure they have at least that many to have a comfort level? They know what's happening. And they have a they have a system. And then also, is there an amount of doors that I would want to shy away that they have maybe too many to realistically give me any kind of service that will be great? Great question. Um, if you have five or fewer doors, unless you get with a super local guy who's just starting up, you are going to, it, it's it's much harder to get attention from the property manager. It's just a fact of volume. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. So if you have five doors and they have 300 doors, I mean, five doors and 300 doors, you might get some attention, but if you have like one or two doors, like if you, if anybody come and do it, one or two doors, don't expect to get the quality. Like don't expect to get a lot of time. It's yeah. just, it's yeah. tough. I try, I try really hard with my customers, make sure the one doors get a lot of attention or get yeah. enough attention, but it's difficult. Bringing a nest of at least five to 10 doors, I think is, is your leverage point with the, with the smaller uh, property managers. Uh, when you start bringing, and this kind of goes back to the asset class question, you bring like 20 multifamily, like 20 small one to four uh, uh, multifamily units to a property manager that has five 50 unit buildings, it's probably not a good mix because your buildings won't get the same attention as their buildings are. You know, they're going to yeah, have, yeah. they're probably going to have semi-dedicated staff. Um, so I, I think you got to make sure that it meshes in there. I don't yeah. think there's a door count uh, for property managers where you're like, well, they have too many doors and I'm only bringing 10 or whatever. Okay. What I would see is where are they geographically located? If they have a thousand doors across three states, or, or let's say a thousand doors across, yeah, three or four states, and you're bringing in your, your 10 doors or five doors in one area that is just a smaller subset of their entire area, I would get skittish. Yeah. Now, if you're bringing five doors to somebody that has a thousand doors within those three counties, I wouldn't feel so bad. I would feel pretty good about that because more than likely they have a relationship uh, in, in South Jersey. This is highly important, but in other states it's not, but uh, it's lesser so. We have a relationship with um, our local governments. Yeah. So having someone that has relationships in those local areas that you serve uh, and you have that many doors, that means you're probably coming with leverage and you're coming with some extra benefits. Yeah. Um, so if, as long as it's concentrated, I think it's okay. If it's spread out, I would get nervous because if a property manager has to drive three hours to a property, how are they managing it? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I totally agree with that. How do you feel about as a property manager first, maybe then as a landlord, how do you feel about A, B, C, D, E neighborhoods? Like where do you look as a, as a landlord? And then as a property manager, what, what do you, what are your thoughts? My property management and landlording is one of the same. Okay. This one. Okay. So we exclusively, we, we almost, almost exclusively specialize in D minus to C plus neighborhoods. So 
we're in pretty rough areas um, uh, already. I do have some F assets, which are just some of the worst, but uh, mainly that D minus to, to C plus. And that's exactly where I'm at with my own landlord. Well, I, 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 like to, I like to try to change streets. So I will buy multiple properties on a really bad street and take them up two or three notches yeah. and get the best clients or best tenants for that area. And I think that's a very viable uh, investing strategy. If you'd have someone that can be boots on the ground, I would stay away from D neighborhoods. If you do not have someone who has boots in the ground, or if you do not have fixed in, yeah. it is not a good area to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. C is pretty, is, is very strong. And I think C is, as we see uh, all this, the, the economics of COVID play out, I think C is going to survive the best out of everything. Uh, but I, uh, I, 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 you know, that, that answer is one of the same for me. I, I like, you know, D minus to, to see, uh, uh, to see plus, uh, we like workhorse. We like, um, section eight, uh, housing. Uh, I think section eight is very viable now in COVID because it's guaranteed money, which, you know, when you have States like New Jersey that ban evictions, you know, at least you can have the government money coming in. So I think that's, that's very viable. Now I would say whatever areas you play in, uh, I think you need to have a value play. Even if it's you know at the higher echelons, you need to be a better value than everybody else. I want to have higher end finishes, but be at market rent. I, I want, you know, I want people, I want to have the best of the best tenants. And that's true for D and C and B assets. I don't do anything in A assets, so I'm a remiss on that. I know that's like very high end and there's a lot of customer service that's involved there. Yeah. Uh, not so much in, in the assets I play in, yeah. but I want to make sure I have the best absolute finishes with the with market rent and yeah. i get the best tenants for that ones yeah. that stay long and ones that are good so yeah. um you know i think they're all great at, I, I think you know and people rag on seeing they rag on the assets because yeah. a lot of the hardship you see but as long as you clean up the property and the crime is not being committed on your property uh maybe be, be committed down the street or on the other yeah. block yeah. um you're gonna have a good time yeah i agree all right you brought up covid let's let's kind of wrap up with that what what is happening in your market and what do you see happening in the next 12 months in this, in this industry? Uh, I, I think, uh, even though I'm younger myself, I think, uh, property management has changed more of the past eight months than it has in the past 30 years. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it's really hard to tell. I will say I'm in a state that has banned evictions. Uh, and we have had to get incredibly creative to get tenants to pay rent. Yeah. Um, there, I will say we're very lucky we haven't been hit as bad as some other property management landlords in the area, but you do see a few people taking advantage of the system. Um, and the ways that we've overcome the people with genuine hardships uh, that have had issues is we bring jobs to them. So we've worked with local employers like Amazon, um, FedEx, et cetera. And we got them to give us codes so that we could send to our tenants and say, Hey, if you type in Terravestra property management on your referral, your, your, your resume is going to be placed at the top of the stack to get reviewed. So I'll tell you what, you mentioned that before we went on air and I got to tell you now that you've kind of explained it a little better, that is absolute genius, like absolute genius. If you're listening to this and you're a property management company, I mean, to go to do that, it's a win-win obviously, because you're, you want them to pay rent, even if it's not your place, because obviously that helps everyone kind of keeps the wheel turning, but that's absolute genius. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like you're getting them a code to get their resumes, put it at the top of the stack, you know, so to speak, and getting them jobs that way to keep things going. That's incredibly creative. And for people who go, oh, you know, we can't evict and they're not paying, like, what are we going to do? 
like you just figured something out that I've never heard. Like I've interviewed so many people with rentals and property management companies and all kinds of people in this industry. It's the first time I've ever heard that. And I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I mean, it's, it, and it helped out our tenants. I mean, cause we want to see them paying. It's like, not like we want them out in the street. Right. I, I think people have that, you know, have that assumption of landlords. We, as a property management company, we need to do it because we collect off of a percentage of gross rents yeah. collected. So if they're not, if our, if our our landlords aren't collecting, we're not collecting. Yeah. So and, and it's I a think win -win, you have to get creative right? like that. It's a win-win. The people don't want to get evicted, right? They don't. Most people, most people, don't want to not pay, right? They, they some people maybe, but most people, there's a sense of pride there, and it sort of doesn't feel good anyways when you're not doing the right thing. So I think it's a win-win. I think it's it's extremely smart and very very clever, and and, uh, and it's just you figuring out how to take the situation we're in and not just like you know curl up in a ball and just take the beating. It's just let's figure out how to work within the system and figure out what we can do. Man, I think it's awesome, and I I want to say again, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being on here uh, because you you shared some really uh, great insights and things that people could take and use today to figure out how to be more effective, efficient with their their properties and if their property management for sure giving them a lot of things to think about. So before we go, how can people find you? Get a hold of you? Where can we direct them so they can get more of you if they need more of you? How are they going to do that? Yeah. I mean, I, I post a lot of different things on Facebook. Uh, follow me at Terra Vestra Rentals is my Facebook handle. We also, for the maintenance company, it's at SBSMRO. And we put a lot of great videos out there of all kinds of cool stuff. So please follow me there. Awesome. And we'll have that in the show notes. So if you're not, if you're driving, you're running on the treadmill, whatever you're doing, don't stop. We'll, we'll have it in the show notes for you. You can check it out there. Uh, Mike, listen, I, I really appreciate you doing this, man. I know we're all busy and, and it takes time to sit down and do something like this, but it was super insightful and I think very valuable for the listener. So thank you for doing this. Uh, thanks, Mike, for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. We'll talk to you next time. All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that interview. I think it was awesome, especially if you're a landlord or you own a property management company, thinking about starting a property management company. A lot of good information there that Mike shared with us. And uh, as far as the maintenance goes, I think that's invaluable. That's all good stuff that you need to think about as you are trying to find a maintenance company or you're talking to your property management company about their maintenance practices and their you know structure and the way they're formed. And he brought up a really good point. Make sure that the property management company that you go with matches you and don't try to expect them to to conform to you but find one that already has a process and a structure and a way of going about business that makes sense and fits into what you want out of that company that is huge 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 so guys listen it's all about getting the information you need putting it in place in the business that you want to have for yourself if you don't want rentals that's just not interesting for you then maybe this episode is something you store for down the road that you'll re-listen to when you do decide that rentals is something that you want. And if you have rentals now, if you're growing that portfolio and you're struggling with property management or struggling with maintenance, like this was the episode for you, right guys? So I know that this industry has so many different facets, so many different ways you can go about it that I'm trying to bring in people from all corners of everything that might potentially makes sense for some of you and bring that to you. And I think uh, this was one of those episodes where it's, it's either really, really timely or maybe it's something that you can utilize down the road when, you're, when your uh, approach is a little different or maybe you've kind of conquered the whole flipping thing and you want to add rentals into, your, into your, your mix or into your business structure, then it makes sense, right? So hopefully you got something out of this. If you didn't earmark it for down the road in case rentals becomes your thing, but guys, I'm just here to provide value for you. So hopefully you got that. 
At the end of the day, nobody I talk to is going to get you off the couch and out there doing it. So get out there and do it. Make today the best day. Get out there and crush it. Start down the path. Get out there and just start. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words, just start as two words. Now just start to the number five, five, four, four, so text just start to 55444. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back. And that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it, guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while, I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.